0: Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, produced here in Sydney, Australia. My name is Matt Wakeling, thank you so much for joining me. Now today we speak to Gilby Clark. Now Gilby has uh, put together an incredible career as a sideman, playing with bands such as Guns and Roses, the 5 Heart, to name just a few. Now Gilby, of course, also has a great solo career that uh, was launched in 1994 with his first solo album, Pawn Shop Guitars. I was very fortunate to catch up with Gilby on the start of his 2017 Australian tour. Hello? Hi there, is that Gilby? This is Sam. Hi Gilby, Matt Wakeling from the Guitar Speak podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, Matt. How are you today?
0: Yeah, really well. Hey mate, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got um, a bunch of interviews today, so um, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Great. Now, this is not your first trip to Australia. You've been coming pretty steadily for the last 20 years or so, I believe.
1: Yeah, I've been here a few times. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I came a couple times with Guns. Um, I came with uh, uh, my solo band back in the 90s. I came with uh, Slash of Snake Pit. We came with Rockstar Supernova. And a few years back, uh, Kings of Chaos played uh, Stonefest.
0: Yeah, awesome, man. All fantastic bands, I've got to say. Um, thank you so yeah so welcome welcome back
1: it's always great to be back i i love it man i mean if if you don't got a a soft spot for australia then you got a dark soul <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think you're probably right i think you're right hey you've got a great band as well you've got um the mcdonald brothers joel and, and jordan in your band and, and bobby poulton on bass that's a, a really cool band
1: yeah I, I met the guys last night uh and uh they they seem fabulous um, and I watched the band play, and I, I had a really, really fun night last night. I had some good pizza, and uh, and had a good, good old rock and roll evening.
0: Awesome, yeah. That's down. At, that's the Monday night at Frankie's in Sydney. I think you must have been at.
1: That, yeah, that was it.
0: That was it. I was reading your your guitar influences. I read a quote. It said that you're a mashup of Keith Richards, Johnny Thunders, and B. B. King. That's a pretty cool combination of things. How, how did you arrive there as a guitar player? Well,
1: it it's funny because. Um, you know, it's funny. Is what, uh, one of my good friends is a writer, and, and he wrote my bio. And when he was doing it, he he said like, uh, "You're a mashup of this, You're Keith Richards, this, and Rick Derringer." <laughs> and I go because Rick Derringer was a huge influence of mine when I when I was young. Okay. Awesome. And but I was like, I go, I go, that ah, put put BB King. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I, it's funny, you know, all of us guitar players, we have our different influences, sure. you know, and we also have our different abilities. And funny enough, when I first moved from Cleveland, Ohio to California, it was right at the time when uh, Van Halen was a local band. And uh, and they were playing around town as well as uh, Quiet Riot um, with Randy Rhodes and You know, you could see Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes like back-to-back, like a Friday and Saturday night, as local talent. Okay,
0: that's
1: incredible. And, and, I mean, that was heavy. You know, like I said, I (laughs) I grew up with, you know, Kiss, Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin. I wanted to be like, you know, Jimmy Page, you know, Ace Freely. And, you know, my ability was my ability. I mean, it's not like I stopped practicing. But, you know, when I saw Eddie Van Halen, it was just like, I mean, man, he was, you know, he was an alien. Uh-huh. And one of my good friends, you know, was at that time in California, was a huge fan. And it's funny, we used to fight all the time. I go, yeah, Eddie's pretty good, but he's no Rick Derringer. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like I said. You know, those are my influences. Like I love BB B. King, man. I mean, I saw BB B. King up until the end, and I mean, you know, he's been sitting on a was sitting on a chair for the last ten years. You yeah, know, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love it. It's like you know when David Gilmore will play a solo and he just hits that one note and it's just you know just melts your soul. It's like I don't know. It's just that's what resonates with me. It always was. And when Keith Richards, you know, did five string open G tuning, mm-hmm. it's like you know that just once again it just it, it just hits you somewhere. And and you know I, I don't I don't have those hands that Steve Vai and Joe Satriani have. <laughs> you know, it's just. So it doesn't work that way, but just like anything, you know, you do with what you have, and thank God, because, you know, we wouldn't have the New York Dolls or the Sex Pistols if everybody could play like Eddie Van
0: Halen. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you've, um, talking about those bands, I mean, you've, you've sat in with MC5, which is, um, I know, a Detroit derivative, but, you know, the same sort yeah. of planet as those guys. Um, tell me about playing with that band. That
1: is Guitar Heaven. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I thought, you know, one of my attractions to the Guns N' Roses gig was it's Guitar Heaven. You know, it's yeah. great riffs and it's never boring. And man, MC5 is almost like Guns N' Roses times 10, you know? <laughs> I, and you know what's funny is I was always a fan of, of the MC5. I mean, I loved their music, I loved that, you know, the quality of the records, but it was really hard to distinguish what was what guitar-wise on their records, you know? And when I had to learn it to to do the set to go out on tour, and I sat down with Wayne to go over who did what, you know, he was like, oh, you know, th- you're not playing the part right. I go, you know, i got to tell you, I'm pretty sure I picked it up, you know, from the record. And he goes, oh, no, it goes like this. And then when he showed me how it really went, it blew my mind. It's like, wow, you know? It did kind of sound like one guitar sometimes, but it was because, like, Wayne would do the low part of the chord, okay. and Fred Sonic Smith would yep. do the high part of the chord. Oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: And when I really got those distinct parts of what each guy did, it, like I said, it just took it to a whole new level for me, and, and like, I got into it. Like, every night we played, it's like, man, I, it was like, it, like, those those parts were written for me. <laughs> And I always say when people go, I mean, you've had a lot of guitar gigs. I go, yeah, but man, the MC5, no, that's a guitar gig. <laughs>
0: you, you mentioned you mentioned Guns N' Roses. Of course, you spent three years there. There was an interesting period of the band in that they, they were moving from big clubs to arenas and, and stadiums. Well, what did you take from that experience?
1: Well, I took a lot of things. I mean, there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, I think sometimes because Guns N' Roses just has this aura about it that people are attracted to the chaos part. Uh But there was a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, musically, you know, um, and and once again, this is no slight to the, you know, the original five guys, but, you know, when Matt Sorum came aboard and then I came aboard, you know, the musicianship came up, you know, some, you Mm -hmm. know, of course we don't have what Steven and Izzy had in that foundation of the band, but there were things that we could do that the guys, you know, couldn't do. And, you know, Slash would always like, you know, go, hey, man, look, you know, let's do this or let's do that. And I go, well, that's not a record. He goes, yeah, but this is what I, I always wanted it to be.
0: Okay, cool.
1: <laughs> and and like I said, and this is no slight on the guys, it's just, it was a natural progression of, of where the band was going musically.
0: Sure.
1: And for me, you know, playing in clubs and arenas or whatever, I mean, I actually did some arena touring. I was in a band that opened for some big bands and mm-hmm. stuff it's, there's a lot of weird things you get used to, like as a musician, just in the fact that, you know, your amps are further away from you, you know, so you have to adapt for that sonically. Um, uh, Other things of uh, Guns N' Roses has this wonderful ability of of playing like behind the beat. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you don't really hear it unless you really listen to it. But there's a certain swagger to that music. And, you know, like. You put on a click track, and that drum track is just right behind the beat. And that's what Steven like, really laid down on appetite. He just laid down such a beautiful, fat pocket. Mm-hmm. And as a guitar player, I all, you know I push. I mean, we all push. <laughs> I, I've been recording and producing you know, bands forever, and all guitar players push the beat. You know, mm-hmm. We're always trying to get ahead. And that's something that Guns N' Roses did for me was really helped me kind of get back behind the beat. Like uh, those earlier blues guys like B.B. King is behind the beat and mm-hmm. you know it it it's it's just a really really great feel. And that has changed me as a musician and for the better. And those are the positive things you know, like I said that I took from from the Guns N' Roses thing.
0: Yeah, cool. Well when when that wound up, I mean you totally hit the ground running. It wasn't as if you weren't doing anything before. Or after because your first solo album Porn Shop guitars came out um, yeah you, know, you, you did a record with slash the snake pit record mm-hmm. um, that's that's cool now your first record which I love um, Porn Shop guitars that was produced by Waddy watchall um, yes <laughs> that's pretty cool now you've moved into production work yourself what I'm just wondering what you learned from Waddy and and what do you enjoy about the production process when you're when you're taking that role
1: well it, when, when I when I got that solo deal, I actually wanted to produce the record myself and, but the label wasn't going to give me that much money (laughs) on my own. So they're like, no, somebody has got to watch you and your crazy friends. (laughs) (laughs) So when I saw their list of people, I didn't like anybody. And then I just remembered, you know what? The new Keith record is great. And Waddy produced it. And you know, I didn't know Waddy before. Yeah. And I didn't know Waddy before. And so I met with him, we sat down, we played guitar. And the first thing he said to me is he goes, did you know that my main Marshall Plexi head that I've been using for the last, I think it was 10 or 15 years, he goes, is your old amp? And I go, get out of here. And he goes, <laughs> no, look at this. And he come, He went in his house, and he came back, and he pulled it out. And it was my original Plexi Marshall that my I had boy. forever that, like, you know, I sold, like, like who knows why I sold it. <laughs> and, and he picked it up at one of the shops, and it's been, like, his main head that he used on all, all his – good records and not the early 60s stuff but everything a little bit later from 80 on wow
0: that's super cool
1: so we had a connection you know and you know uh, i thought by having wadi produce the record you know it was you know guitar player guitar player but <laughs> yeah. you know let's have some fun playing guitars and he also taught me that i mean he's he was such he's such an unreal guitarist but he's also an unreal musician and i like those ears of you know, that great 70s classic rock, you know, I mean, in in the early 90s, that wasn't fashionable to say, but I love that about him, you know, and to me, I really think that the record is that record because of Wadi's contribution, you know, Mm -hmm. I I really think he did a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. nice work. Now, um, you're working on uh, another solo album that's that's due out very soon, Where, where are you up to with that?
1: Well, the record is pretty much done right now. I, I've been working the whole year on this new record. Um, I, I've tried to make this record over the last ten years, and every time I got together to track like two or three songs, I just I could never seem to like finish the lyrics. You know, it just it, it I just the answer was they weren't good enough. You know, and it's really hard to be that guy. You know, to to you know censor yourself, to edit yourself. You go, oh, are they good enough? So at the beginning of this year, I had a good handful of songs I felt pretty good about, and I started tracking them and just kind of kept going until I got 10 songs done. And um, and it's done right now. It's in the mixing stages, and I'm hoping to get it out first quarter of next year because, like I said, for the most part, it's done. It just needs to get wrapped up in the business part.
0: So this is um this is actually your first solo album in some time, so I'm sure it's eagerly awaited.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I this, this record is, to me, all these records... Are, are like one continuous record to be yeah. honest, you know, I mean, I, it's like, I, I always say, I make a record that I would want to listen to. I made a record that I would want to buy. I got to please myself first. I, I can't guess what other people want or what other people like. Sure. And therefore yeah. it still starts with a good song. You know, it, yeah. am I happy with the song? And once I got that being a solo artist, it's actually great because I can cater the musicians to the song. Like I had Kenny Aronoff play drums on one song. I have, Steve Perkins from Jane's Addiction is on, like, four songs, yeah, you know, and awesome. Matt Starr, like, I can really cater, you know, the guys to the songs to make it unique.
0: Yeah, cool. That's fantastic. Hey, Gilby, it's been awesome talking. I've got to let you go uh, in a moment because, um, as, as we said, you've got a really busy schedule. you got your first rehearsal tonight. Joel says... Yes, I
1: do with the guys. I'm excited, man. When we were playing last night, I was, I was blown away. Man.
0: Yeah, Joel, um, we were just talking on over Facebook this morning. He was super pumped, so he's saying... Um, yeah, you can't wait. Um, last question then for you: What what guitars have you brought for the uh, for touring?
1: <laughs> I, I brought my Les Paul, my '60s Les Paul classic. Awesome.
0: So yeah, there. usually
1: I bring my Zamatus, but um, the the switch uh, selector switch broke on it, and I just didn't have time. It was in my traveling case, and when I picked up, it was broke, and I didn't have time to fix it. So the good old black Les Paul is coming with me.
0: Nice. Just one guitar for the tour. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I um. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have another guitar player with me. I mean, I I don't, I I like having two guitar players. It's just, over the years, we've just kind of adapted to being a three piece. So uh, we'll we'll see how it works out.
0: Yeah, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, Gilby, thanks so much. Really great to meet you. And um, have a great time on on your Australian tour.
1: Great. I hope to see you at one of the shows then. Take care.
0: All right. There you have it, my conversation with Gilby Clark. And, you know, even though it's a small window, uh, of opportunity to speak to him. I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, hope you did as well. Now, of course, during the interview I mentioned uh, our friend Joel McDonald, a fantastic guitar player, and he was, he was playing alongside Gilby on this tour. Make sure you check out that interview with Joel if you haven't heard it yet on the Guitar Speak podcast. I'll leave a link up in the show notes so you can easily find that. All right, now remember, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook, and a little bit on Twitter—not much, but we're there. Um, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, a Stitcher Radio, or iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere you get podcasts from. Nowadays, you can uh, just look us up, Guitar Speak Podcast, and you can have our episodes delivered to your device every single time they come out. Alright, thank you so much for joining me. My name's Matt Wakeling and you've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. We'll catch you next time.